Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Thursday, October the 20th, 2022. We are reading from the big book. We're continuing our study of the chapter, More About Alcoholism, page 36, the second paragraph. Suddenly the thought crossed my mind. Today's readers are the 12 steps, Margie, 12 traditions, Sarah M., and readers of the text, Reva P., Chris M., and Martha Z. The reference numbers for Wednesday, October the 19th, the 7 a.m. meeting, 19536, and the 10 a.m. meeting, 19537. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I have asked Marge E. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Marge. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you so much. Marge E. from Massachusetts, compulsive overeater, recovered but not cured. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overreaders and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me to do service, and I pass. Thank you, Margie. And Sarah M. will read the 12 traditions. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Welcome to you all, too. 
Uh, Sarah M., compulsive overeater, by the grace of God, go I. The 12 traditions. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues since the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, public, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for letting me do service. Thank you, Sarah M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're in the chapter more about alcoholism, page 36, the second paragraph. Suddenly the thought crossed my mind. Reva P., could you read for us, please? Yes. Suddenly, the, cross my, the thought crossed my mind that if I were to put an ounce of whiskey in my milk, it couldn't hurt on a full stomach. I ordered a whiskey and poured it into the milk. I vaguely sensed I was not being any too smart, but felt reassured as I was taking the whiskey on a full stomach. The experiment went so well that I ordered another whiskey and poured it into more milk. That didn't seem to bother me, so I tried another. Wow, italics, pay attention. 
Um, so this is Reva P, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. And the word suddenly um, brings back so many memories. Um, I felt that I was like sleepwalking in a trance. And I really was baffled at how many times I ended up at the refrigerator um, shoving food in my mouth. Um, and I didn't realize it till after. And I am so grateful for the sponsors who did what it says here, who reviewed carefully what had happened and rewound the events in slow motion because I had no clue. I had no clue um, that I was in the eyes. I, 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 I. I had no clue that I was running the show. Um, I had no clue that I was building up resentments and binging at people in my kitchen alone. Um, I had no clue. Um, and I am so grateful for the ability to go back and see exactly what is showing here in the past few paragraphs. This is like the anatomy or recipe, how to have a relapse. Don't do all the steps completely. Just make a beginning. Um, put down the food. Just go to meetings, but don't complete the steps. Let all this resentment and fear build up. Think that the world owes me and everything and everybody is wrong um, and keep behaving on those thoughts. And then suddenly, out of the blue, but it's, not, it's never suddenly. Um, it's usually the slow, slow buildup. Um, and I am so grateful for the clarity that this meeting has given me on what the purpose of steps 10, 11, and 12 are because every day I need to sweep out the eyes. You know, it's all based on my selfishness. I think I know how the world and its people are supposed to be, and I am upset um, because they're not following my script. That's basically how it is. And if I don't clean up um, all the resentments and fears on a daily basis, I am just like Jim. And all of a sudden it has the best thought I have is, oh, I think I'll put some like, you know, uh, sugary thing in, in my meal. Um, it, and it seems perfectly logical. So this is reminding me that my powerlessness um, is when I'm abstinent. It's that mental, um, I don't have a mental defense. I don't have that kind of power when I'm abstinent, when I even know about program, when I'm in program. Um, and that's what my higher power does because once I've done the work, and if I continue to do the work and grow, um, I get a second thought. Um, if that thought crosses my mind, I get a second thought so I can differentiate the craziness, the lies from the truth. Um, and it's so much more than the food. It's the craziness about the world and its people and how they're supposed to be. Um, so, um, yeah. I don't have to be sleepwalking with that vague sense that maybe something isn't right um, because my mind is clearer. And this is such a reminder to be grateful. Um, and it's a daily reprieve, got to keep cleaning it up. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, 
please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Roger B. B. R. from Boston. Barbara E. from New Jersey. Okay, let me tell you who I heard. I heard Roger, Nessa R., Katie G., Rick J. Who did I miss, please? Heidi H. Okay, that was, was the last name Janice? Okay. This is who Janice. I heard. Okay, I heard Roger, Nessa R, Katie G, Rick J, Heidi, and Shanna C. Let's go with that lineup right now, thanks. Roger, could you start us off, please? And could you give us the initial Roger. of your last name? Roger V from downtown Los Angeles in California. Good morning, OA family. This is one of my favorite paragraphs in the whole book. I mean, you know, like the opening speaker said, suddenly. Whenever the book says, I had a thought or it occurred to me, suddenly the idea, you know, I mean, <laughs> I pointed out on a Herb K workshop, what was he having? It's, well, it's the next paragraph. I won't say it. Having a second sandwich, or maybe it does say it in this paragraph, you know, and he, he didn't buy that one. But, you know, um, you know, I'll put a little whiskey. In. You know, I remember when I was newly abstinent and I was in this co-op and I was like, I never saw these chips before. I picked, they have flax meal in them. Oh, they must be healthy. And I looked at it. Yeah, a, a thousand milligrams of sodium. I'm not going to eat one. I don't care what they have. And I'm going to eat the whole bag, you know, and I didn't pick up. You know, I can't eat chips like a gentleman. I can't eat pizza like a gentleman. I just, so once I start, I can't stop. Once I stop, I can't stay stopped. So whether it's, you know, I'm an alcohol recovering alcoholic too, and so I can really relate to this, you know, because I did shit like that, you know. I'll, uh, I mean, I, I like vodka, but I'll drink orange juice with it, you know, for the vitamin C factor. Yeah, right. How's that working for you? And, you know, I don't do cane sugar. I don't do agave syrup. I don't do coconut date sugar. You know, all those all of those lead me back to, to binging. You know, I can't. My body's allergic to sugar it, in any form. You know, and it. You know, I don't do sweet and low. I don't do any of that stuff. It just. I just. You know, like I think it was Clint Eastwood, Tom Selleck said, or I mean. Uh, Schwarzenegger said, a man's got to know his limitations. I think that was Eastwood. Um, I just, I have to keep it real. You know, I have a food plan. I talk to my sponsor every day because my head's a dangerous neighborhood to go in by myself. You know, I woke up at 1 a.m. today and couldn't sleep. And be, partly because my best friend had a, had an opera, had a brain tumor surgery yesterday, and I haven't heard from him, and it's been almost 24 hours. But to eat over, it's not going to, you know, that's not going to change anything. So um, I love this thing. You know, Jim, one more time, thought, you know, on a full stomach, you know, I, I, I'm not all here, so I'm not all there. And therefore, I don't trust my thinking. When I get those kind of crazy thoughts, I don't walk. I run to my sponsors. I run to God because it's usually the wrong thought, you know. My my best thinking got me here. I remember when I was new in AA, this girl 
sang it to Sinatra. She said, I did it my way. I wound up in AA. So with that, I'll pass. I'm Roger. I'm a compulsive overeater. And no whiskey in my milk, no near beers, and no, um, what do you call it, no near sugar or my alcoholic foods. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Roger V. Nessa R., it's your turn, followed by Katie G. Good morning, Nessa. Hi, good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, And I want to piggyback on the previous two shares because I also chuckle at this word suddenly. Um, So the meaning of suddenly is happen quickly and with little or no warning in a sudden manner on impulse without premeditation happening, uh, happening unexpectedly, which is not at all what happened here. It wasn't suddenly. You know, we know like from from the previous um, uh, paragraph that the gym knew about program. He knew about the allergy of the body. He knew about the obsession of the mind. He knew about the importance of entire abstinence. He knew about the importance of working the steps. And yet, while he made a beginning, he failed to enlarge his uh, spiritual life. We, we know all this. Uh, um, I mean, we know that he knows all this. Uh, and yet, what happened? He uh, he woke up, he woke up on the on the right, on the wrong uh, side of the of the bed. He uh, was full full of resentment. Had a fight with his boss. He didn't uh, call his sponsor. He didn't do the ten steps. He didn't clean up his side of the street. Um, so he was actually planning to drink before he even had the thought of putting the milk in his or the whiskey in his milk. You know, he had the idea that he could find a buyer for a car in the country. I mean, like, I mean, I don't know what it was in like 1930s, but I doubt that he found, you know, buyers in a, in a random restaurant. They just happened to have a bar. So like he made the decision to drink long before he made the decision to drink. It wasn't, it wasn't, um, it, it, it wasn't unexpectedly, it was premeditated. And that's a lesson for me. You know, I have to stay on my toes. I cannot, um, I cannot rest on my, my Laura's confident that because I have been absent and recovered for almost 11 years, that it cannot happen to me. I have to continue um, watching my food, weighing and measuring, abstaining 100% from, from all my triggers. And more importantly, you know, working the steps because that's the only thing that's going to keep, keep those sudden thoughts away from my mind. And, and, and when they do occur, I will recall from it as if from a hot flame. That's what the promises in step 10 t- uh, tell me. And, you know, I had an experience like that a few years ago. And I tell this story often. I picked up my daughter from school and she walked in with a heavenly smelling cinnamon bun and she was eating it. And the first thought, suddenly the thought came to my mind, oh, it would be so nice to have one of those. But because I've been doing the work uh, and I continue doing the work, the next thought was, Nese, you have never been able to have one of those. It would be nice to have one of those, but that's never happened in your entire life. You know, you're going to have to have a dozen of those and then a bag of this and a box of that. And it's never going to end. And you're going to end up almost 200 pounds, maybe even more like you were before. And the thought ended. Um, and the, thank you. And the thought ended. And this is a, this is a big lesson, um, the story of Jim. Thank you. And I pass. Thank you, Nessa. 
Thank you, Nessar. Katie G, it's your turn, followed by Rick J. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, <clears throat> Lynn. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G. I'm recovered from anorexia, exercise, bulimia, and compulsive eating. Yeah, I mean, I love that um, the insane thinking comes suddenly, that the vague thinking, uh, the sanity <laughs> comes vaguely. And I just identify so much. And thank you, everyone, for your services. I think, you know, the scariest thing for me is the rationalization, the lying, and the dishonesty. You know, I remember thinking to myself, you know, I'm just going to get on the scale once. Everybody does. It's not a freaking big deal. You know, I'm just going to I'm just going to exercise a little bit longer. Like, who cares that it's two and a half hours? Like, everybody else is doing it. And um, I think the most petrifying thought I had was, like, it came to consciousness. So I read about vague. So vague is dark, ambiguous, and cryptic. And I had this, like... It was like I was underwater and I came up to the surface and this voice said to me, Katie, you can't keep doing this. You're, you know, like this clear voice, like you're losing weight, you're sick, you can't. And I literally was like, I literally, something pushed me back down, you know, back into the vagueness, back into the dark. And I thought, well, my, my gig's not up now, I'll deal with that then. You know, and that's, that's why I need God. Because without God, like, I'm I'm 10 personalities. And, um, you know, meanwhile, I was ignoring my family. I was raging at people, anybody who talked to me. I couldn't have relationships. I remember a really good friend of mine. No, like, many, many good friends of mine couldn't be friends with me because of the way I was talking to them because I was so sick. And as many have pointed out, I was so focused on I. Right, and what happens is as the result of working these 12 steps, well, first of all, I got honest, right? Like, first of all, God gave me the pain and helped me finally get out of that dark, vague place and say to someone, even though I felt like I was, I was going to die, I just said, I need help. Like, everybody else was saying I was dying, and this woman said to me I was dead, and she was right. I was living to exercise. Right? And I was so terrified. I didn't know how to breathe. I didn't. I called her and I'd be like, I, I don't know what to do now. How do you put exercise down for 30 minutes? Just say nothing of 30 days. I was terrified, right? But slowly over a period of time and at the end of the day, every day I ask, where have I been dishonest? I'm telling you, there's a, there's a person who reminds us every day when I'm lying, I am not getting away with it. I am putting a, a blocker on my head, heart, and spirit. God, do not enter. Right? And today, because of God, you know, I got to show up last night for my daughter who's having a really hard time. And you know what I didn't do? I didn't rage. I didn't yell at her. I didn't punish her. Why? Because God has entered into my mind and heart in a way that is indeed miraculous. And it starts and ends with being honest. Um, so join us. It's a good place to be. Welcome. Thank you, Katie G. Rick J., it's your turn, followed by Heidi. Good morning, Rick. Uh, good morning, Lynn. Good morning, everybody. Rick J., I am a recovered compulsive overeater in North Carolina. And I love Jim. He's my hero. <laughs> I am Jim. I have been Jim. It took me 23 years to get three years of entire abstinence. And uh, I tell you what, I 
I love this, the visual of Jim. And I, you know, I, I always picture him and his, you know, in his old, like 1930s sedan, all dusty, you know, and kind of rumpled from the heat and his little hat and, you know, and he's just frustrated and he's resentful and, you know, probably full of fear, but the most important thing I see with Jim is that he's disconnected from his higher power, you know, and, um, when, when I'm disconnected with, with, uh, you know, the, the selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, fear, the hundred forms, you know, self-pity, all that stuff, it disconnects me from my higher power. And, and I'm immediately in danger because, you know, it's, it's only a power greater than myself that is solving my problem. You know, my defense must come from a higher power, um, final words of this chapter. And if I'm not connected to my higher power, then I'm connected to my own powerlessness. So I've got nothing. And I, I love rewriting the story of Jim from a recovered mind instead of a chronic alcoholic mind. And, you know, and I've been to this point where I have, um, you know, I started working the steps, unworking the steps rather in reverse, stopped carrying the message, working with others, reaching out, uh, praying and meditating and stop doing inventory work. And then finally, you know, uh, where I was powerless and unmanageable, that, that just left. And I was just left with, uh, you know, the first compulsive thought with no power to intervene. And, uh, you know, and I like to envision that uh, if Jim were, you know, doing everything that he should be doing in this program, he had started his day in prayer and meditation. And when he had the words with his boss, you know, he, uh, he paused. And as he went into that bar to get a sandwich, first of all, he might've picked a place that didn't have a bar, but that might not have been an option. Don't know. And uh, he went to a, a phone and either went to a pay phone or borrowed a phone and he called a sponsor and he, he, said where he was resentful and you know and where he was full of fear and you know and he talked it out and then when that thought suddenly the thought came to mind that that whiskey you know then he would have paused right there because he would have recognized it as an insane thought you know and he could have gone back to the phone and said look i just had this crazy thought of putting whiskey in my milk and they laughed over it and he had his sandwich and left um you know, that's the power of, of this spiritual connection. The other day, Hi. I suddenly had a thought about putting honey in my tea, and I recognized this delusional thinking, and I didn't act on it. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Rick J. Heidi, it's your turn, followed by Shanna C. And could we have the initial of your last name, please, Heidi? Hi, I'm Heidi H. from Chicagoland. Very happy to be here. Very great. Thank you for your service and for everybody behind the scenes doing service for this meeting and thank you for the shares. You know, it's been a while and I just have to at least share because that's my that's my 12-step duty today. If I show up at a meeting, maybe I help somebody else. But today I'm trying to, I can't save my ass and my face at the same time. And I love this reading. And yesterday I'm like, I didn't get a chance to share Bell I know what happens tomorrow. And I have to tell my story briefly. Uh, most of September, I was hospitalized uh, by a serendipitous event, which made me really sick. And I arose Rip Van Winkle Heidi a month later with a beard. Just kidding, that's menopause. And um, 
I stayed abstinent to the program, and I was really, really proud of myself. Uh, it wasn't an easy hospitalization with a lot of complications. I was with both my AA and my OA sponsors pretty much daily, and I did it. I'm an over-compulsive overeater, and I was losing weight, and no one seemed to care. Uh, a nurse came in, and they shoved me on some Insure. I checked the label. I said, you need to do better on the sugar, but I was trying to survive. I got home, and I didn't realize how angry the stay made me, how much I had to self-advocate. And I'm telling you here that, like Jim's story, I'm angry, and the best I can do these days is get up, get on a meeting, do a daily gratitude list, ask God for help, and maybe you know, maybe help somebody that needs something. And that's the best I can do right now. And it wasn't like that coming in. So I came home, and it was the Jewish holidays, and I'm off plan. I'm off plan now. And I still talk to my sponsor every day. I uh, am still sugar-free, but I went for a piece of challah. It was comforting. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm working back. You know, I'm not sitting in front of the TV with, you know, binging or anything like that. But the story tells me that it can be me. And I really have to look at the resentment and how I'm feeling that this was um, something that I couldn't control and that I'm doing well. And gratitude comes easy, but it's about surrender and acceptance now and moving on. Still not feeling great, but doing better. But it's something that I, I, I have to share. It's not been easy to, to pick up the phone um, there's been a ton of love from this program, and uh, I'm doing the best I can. So uh, working with the nutritionist, God bless my sponsor in OA and AA. And the beautiful thing, because somebody mentioned it earlier, not a thought about a pain pill, not a thought about a drink after almost 30 years, and I'm blessed for that. So something's working, but obviously something isn't. So I need to begin to write and work this stuff out, and uh, at least here, be open about the fact that I'm not all that thrilled about what happened and I need to move on. Blessings and thank you, and I'll keep coming back. Thank you, Heidi H. Shanna C., it's your turn. Good morning, Shanna. Good morning. This is Shanna C. from Tennessee, Grateful Recover Compulsive Overeater through God's grace, this program, and, oh, my God, the the privilege to be safe and protected by that higher power. Um yeah, a few years ago, I mean, I remember, well, first of all, I identify completely with the paragraph. Um, suddenly, the thought crossed my mind that dot, 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 you name it. Um, without going into a whole lot of specifics or anything like that, I can't stop eating once I start, and I can't stop my mind from telling me you can control it this time because of how much you know and because of how much you want to and because of how much you've worked the steps and because of how much you've Follow the food plan and how much you've weighed and measured and how good you are at knowing quantities and all this stuff. Although they're great tools, but if I'm using the tools for self-will um, and to get what I want rather than uh, surrendering to that God of my understanding for the purpose of being a maximum service, see, that's where I get the power. Is See, before I'd, I'd fully conceded to my innermost self, I'd done every bit of this. I'd done the steps. I was making the three calls a day. I was going to the meetings. I was being of service. I was told that I had recovered, I, you know, all this stuff. But until I completely considered to my innermost stuff, and I can't bring that about on my own, 
and what that looks like for me, I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, what that, what I came to is I came to the realization that no matter how much food I eat, it will never, ever, ever be enough. You know, I may eat and bust a gut, which I did. I physically damaged my stomach eating so much one time. I will wait until just enough room is left in my stomach, and I will start eating again, and I'll forget, and I'll eat and eat, and then I'm suffering again, and then I'll wait. So that's this, that's the, that's just one aspect of this thing. But until I completely understood in my innermost self that I will eat myself to death, no amount of food is going to be enough. I, I couldn't fully put the food down. I'm always trying to manage it, control it, whatever. And I will use the tools to convince myself I'm doing, I'm doing it right. But anyway, I'm grateful that because of that surrender and that brokenness, I was led by my higher power to people who could truly help me, help me through the step that obsession has been lifted. And those thoughts do come at times. And it doesn't mean I'm doing anything wrong. It means I'm a compulsive overeater, not cured. And thank God I have a way out of that. So many have shared that, you know, that second thought that comes, that is the program working. That is God in my life intervening, directing my thinking because I asked for it that day. Thank God this stuff works. And it's so much more simpler than I've ever made it. You know, I'm starting to see that the longer I do it, it's simple. It's reliant upon the higher power through these steps and helping somebody and being honest with myself. That's it. Anyway, great, great for to be here. Thanks for everyone for being a service. And with that, I will pass. So I'll have. Thank you, Shanna C. For those of us who might have come on the line a little bit later this morning, we're continuing our study in the chapter more about alcoholism. Page 36, the second paragraph, suddenly the thought crossed my mind. And the line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we hey, value this is Charles it. H. Or the day Pamela before, please step back and let others have their turn. Pamela and please say your name just e. as it helps me hear everybody. So there's been a gaggle of people on the line. I heard Charles H. I heard Barbara E. about 30 times. So I got you there, Barbara. Pamela <laughs> okay, P. Pamela P. Dana P. I've got I've got Charles H. Barbara E. Pamela. Who else TV. was there? Dana P. P. Dana P. Charles Debbie. H. E. Pamela. Was it Dana P. or Amy G. Both. Or none of the above. Dana P. Both. <laughs> Both. Okay, good. All right. Let's go with this lineup. I did the best I could. Sorry about that, everybody. And Charles H., can you take it away, please? Thank you, my friend. And I want to make my, I'm making amends for starting this melee. Um, I deeply apologize for that. And I, um, I will follow that up with, with action, with living amends. Um, <clears throat> I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to share on this squiggly wiggly line on page 36. Uh, I don't give a damn how recovered I am. Suddenly I'm resentful. Suddenly a thought comes to my mind. 
Suddenly, I could play myself and be like, I'm so recovered, I'm Superman. Suddenly, I can get a hit off of, you know, uh, sharing something so profound. You know, real people ain't perfect, and perfect people ain't real. And, excuse me, although the monkeys may be off my back, like these five characters in More About Alcoholism, but you can best believe that the circus is always in town. You know, and and, um, I had the opportunity to, my sponsor actually gave me this exercise a few years ago, and I'm doing it with my sponsees. Why don't you try to line up your feelings with the ninth, 10th, and 11th steps? How is that working out for you? You know, and, and, and so Jim, so with Jim, I don't think it was suddenly. I think it was progressively. Like, you know, these five characters, and I'm not going to spend my, my, my three minutes telling you about the five characters and more about alcoholism. They were all abstinent, but they failed to enlarge their spiritual life. And um, from reading the text, he's a real alcoholic, real alcoholic. And um, I hear that real alcoholics should, I'm, is suggested to follow this yellow brick road. When I say yellow brick road, I'm talking about the program of action. And today I talk with authority and, and, and I don't take back talk. I don't say sorry. I ain't with all that nonsense. Because this disease don't say sorry and it's killing a lot of people. And guess what? It's, 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 it's game time for a lot of people. When I say game time, a lot of people are making the, uh, the supreme sacrifice right now for January coming. That's, that's real shit. They're making a supreme sacrifice because they're, they're going to think they can beat the game. You know, consistency trumps intensity. You could be on fire one day and be fizzled out the next day. Oh, I'm tired. Oh, this is redundant. Yo, go take some people through the steps. Then it will be fresh. Go, go, go match up, rank those bedevilments. Go, that's the reason why we should work these steps. Yes, page 51 talks about um, you know, abstinence is not the most important thing. The conscious contact with a higher source. Stop acting like the source, Charles. You are a resource, right? And and I'm I get resourceful based on not faking perfection. Jim was faking perfection. Talking about seven. I'm Charles. And with the, I, this is the first time I got that time. I I feel like a vision for you member now. I got the time out. Thank you very much. Thank you. Barbara E., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Uh, Good morning. This is Barbara E. Sorry for calling my name so much, but I'm so eager because I identify with Jim's story, and especially this paragraph, because like has been said before, the phrase, suddenly a thought, jumped out for me because my best thinking, my best thoughts led me to a world of pain and misery because my disease always sent me in the wrong direction and it always will unless I had some kind of spiritual awakening. All my, Also, my disease led me to experiment like Jim with his whiskey and his milk. And sometimes I vaguely sensed I wasn't being too smart. And sometimes I didn't think at all. I finally had to accept that my mind was truly broken. And I might get away with it for one day 
or even two, but sooner or later my experiment, like whiskey in the milk, would lead me to disaster. And so many times, like Jim, I vaguely sensed I was not being too smart, but I negotiated with my disease. And my disease always won the negotiation. It won't hurt you this time, but it always did. My disease was a disease of denial. All my sound reasoning failed me. Like Jim, I, I knew a lot about dieting. I'd been doing it all my life. But by the time God led me to Overeaters Anonymous, I had a master's degree in dieting, but a PhD in making all the wrong decisions and gaining all the weight back. And even when I was thin, I was, again, I was miserable. I was irritable, at home, depressed, feeling always less than, a part of, apart from, never a part of. And it really didn't matter what my size of my body was. I didn't yet realize I needed that spiritual makeover we talk over. I didn't know how to get it. And my sponsor said, Barbara, just wait. It will come if you do everything you're asked to do. You work all the steps and the tools and you think less of yourself all the time and think more of others. And get off your pity pot, Barbara. Miracles can really happen, but give it time. You can't rush the process. Change comes slowly to some, but it will come if you open your heart and your mind to the concept and see what will happen. And then all that you touch will begin to change you, and all that you touch will change. And the only trust is your ability to change, like seed to tree and tree to forest. And thank you. And mountains to boulders and boulders to rocks and rocks to pebbles and pebbles to sand. God is change, Barbara, and that's what you have to do. Thank you for doing this service. And thank you to the people who are saving my life today. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Did I hear a Pamela? Yes, that me, Pamela uh, Pamela P. from Pennsylvania. Thank you. Please go ahead. So I, when I heard that, I understand what he was going through with concerning with the food. It like that, like you don't eat. I'm eat my trigger food, and then I said, okay, I'm not getting triggering. So let me continue and eat another bite, another bite, another serving, and they go crazy until your stomach get hurt, and then once the stomach stop being hurting, you eat again, and it's just. This disease is not easy to deal with. Um, like something that triggered me this morning, cause I saw some cookies in the kitchen as I was coming to make breakfast, and that for my mate, and now he fought, he don't have the disease. But seeing that is a trigger. It just made me think of a dangerous substance. If I ever decide to digest it, the day is gone. I, I'm gone. I'm that, and I will lose the little recovery I had. So I'm, 
I'm, I'm so afraid of this disease and things are triggering me so easily. It, it happened again yesterday morning. The cookie were here. Now the cookie here again. I'm like, oh my God. So I'm just praying. I, you know, don't remind my partner to clean up after himself when he leaves the kitchen at night. Because the morning is very sensitive to me. When I start in the beginning of the day, if I do good during breakfast and lunch, it gives me hope that I might not bend the rest of the day. And anything could trigger me. Either I got to be careful what I do before I eat the breakfast. It, so I, I fell for the man that I read about. I mean, he almost was thinking... It almost was a premeditate that he knew when he get to that diner, he knew what gonna happen. You don't almost like you kidding yourself with this disease. So I did thank God for vision for you and my other fellows here on OA. You're amazing. What a great meeting, great share. And so it's an honor to share on the meeting today. And I did pray the rest of the day I don't compose it overeat. That's all I'm asking for. And God will do the rest. And for that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Pamela P. Dana P., it's your turn, followed by Amy G. Please go ahead, Dana. Good morning. Dana P. here in California. Um, Thank you so much for your patience uh, this morning. Everyone's clamoring to share on this um, particular paragraph and really kind of Jim's story. It's such a such a dramatic story. And I'd like to go back a little bit um, to where they talk about, um, let's talk about a man we'll call Jim. It doesn't say that he's an actual person, sort of a, a, a an illustration of the insanity of this disease. And uh, I would like to focus on the part where it says, I vaguely sense. I mean, certainly, the suddenly the thought came to me, um, and for me that was a, a pretty dramatic. Also, with this building up and building up, and and really, it, it is a build up uh, with with Jim uh, coming to this place where he, quote unquote, suddenly had this idea. And I appreciate that uh, squiggly writing there, um, as was said before. You know, for me, it was I had this great idea that I needed to gain weight, and so I started consuming massive amounts of watermelon um, over about a two-week period, and it came to a day, and I don't mean cute little personal watermelons. I mean huge 35-pounders that we grow here in California in the Central Valley, and in, in throughout the day, I consumed an entire watermelon, and at one point, my stomach became so distended that it was extremely painful. And it was a literal demonstration about what, what had been going on with me over a period of about five years, um, really dealing with a lot of stressful things in my life. And um, the, suddenly the thought came to me, right? I mean, I thought it was a great idea to eat watermelon and that would um, give me some poundage. Um, but the pain of consuming that watermelon and I suddenly, if you will, had this thought, you know, just let a little pressure off. And that threw me back into a bulimic binge that lasted for years uh, before I came to this program. So what what I really want to focus on 
is the part where it says sense. So vaguely thought, and that's my mind, my ego, the disease. And it's so loud. It was so loud it consumed me. Um, But what came was this vague idea, vague sense, really. It wasn't an idea or a thought. It's a vague sense that I was none too smart. Well, when I think I'm smart, that's the disease, and it's much, much louder than that vague sense, that still small voice or whispering sound. The miracle of it, though, is that it's there. I mean, God was with me. God was with Jim at that that moment with that sense, that vague sense. So I have to be quiet, get still, and listen and feel for that vague sense and attend to that. And that's what this program has taught me to do. So I'm really grateful for everyone this morning, and and I'm going to pass. Thank you. Amy G., it's your turn, followed by Phoebe B. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. Thank you so much for such an awesome meeting, everyone, for everyone's service. My name is Amy G., and I'm a recovered compulsive eater from Maryland. Boy, every time I read about Jim, I'm filled with a, a healthy dose of fear and gratitude at the same time, because to me, this is the mental obsession at its best. Right, this type of insane thinking. As so many have said, this idea of suddenly is not suddenly. I mean, when I pick up a bite of my binge food, it is the end of a relapse. What's been going on way before that is what's been going on, and that is the mental obsession. And what is triggering that mental obsession? I mean, a sick mind cannot heal a sick mind. If I am not restored to sanity, it is my thinking that is the issue. I mean, it's very clear that if I'd stopped in the first couple of years in Overeaters Anonymous that I struggled on and off and on and off, you know, what triggers the physical allergy? Well, of course, it's the allergic substances. But what triggers the mental obsession so that I'm thinking insanely or not at all and five bites into a binge in front of the refrigerator going, how the hell did I get here? Why can't my sick mind feel, heal, heal my sick mind? It's because of this mental obsession and what triggers it? Not my problems, not that I have a tough life, not that I have a screwed up family. It's my thinking. It is my thinking and how I feel about life and how I perceive life, just like Jim, full of his resentments and full of what he's entitled to and what he thinks how life is supposed to be. It is my thinking. I mean, the big book says it really clearly, and there is a solution on page 24. When this sort of thinking is established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, He has probably placed himself beyond human aid and unless locked up may die or go permanently insane. These stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history, but for the grace of God, and I'll add in the 12 steps, working up these 12 steps, there would have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. So many want to stop, but cannot. I wanted to stop, but I also wanted to fix me and I didn't realize I could not fight against me. Without a power greater than myself, I have no shot. And when we look up the definition of obsession, it talks about a thought or an idea that intrudes constantly. And that's what's happening here with Jim because of the alcoholic thinking. I, too, had thoughts intrude all the time that said, it's okay. I can go ahead and do that regardless of the consequences. The best idea I came up with would be to put those binge foods in my mouth. 
But by the grace of God, through the process of putting the food down and working these 12 hands, 12, 12 steps, I now have a chance after those thoughts. I now don't have the calling of the food, but those thoughts about how I behave, how I perceive, how I act. I now have been restored to sanity where I have a choice. I didn't have a choice before, but by the grace of God, my higher power, I have that choice. This program is so freaking awesome, people. I not only have a position where I can be where food does not call to me and my thinking is not screwed up, I have a choice to make a different a different action, a different choice, a different thought. And that's only by the grace of God. Thank you, Amy G. And Phoebe B, it's your turn. Please go ahead. Thank you and thank <clears throat> thank you and thank you for your service. It's been a while since I've been on this meeting. Um, I'm just hearing awesome things this morning. Um, Jim's story is my story. Uh, and I, as I've been listening to everybody, I've been reflecting on um, an experience that I had about eight years ago before I was, uh, uh, before I was um, recovered. And uh, I remember sitting at my desk working on a very difficult report and I got stuck and it was, you know, I was worried about how was it going to come across? How was I going to be seen? And what came into my mind, suddenly came into my mind was I need to have this food. This food will make me feel better. And um, I sat with that for a few minutes and fought with myself about that. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And finally I said, I'm going to die if I don't get this food. I went and got the food, and of course, it just started everything, you know. Um, Jim's was the whiskey and the milk, and then to other things, and for me, it led to an entire day and more days of binging and so forth and so on. So what I've heard this morning that's really touched me, one person said, you know, part of it comes from uh, our disconnection from a higher power, um, and that we're driven by obsession. Um, that it's all, and, and I've just been writing on this this morning, what is my conception of God? And um, as I was reflecting on that this morning, I realized that where God lies for me is in the pause. And um, I'm, I'm about to celebrate almost six years, and um, the pause has become very, very important for me because in the pause, I find that inner resource, I find letting go of self-reliance, and in the pause, I get nudges to make a call, do some writing, do a resentment inventory, talk to my sponsor, pray and meditate, do some writing, go in the woods, a whole array of things that are available to me where I can connect with my higher power. And my higher power is um, in the spirituality of recognizing that there's something greater than me out there. And that day when I was sitting at my desk, there was no greater thing than me. It was me. And I was totally relying on myself, my self-reliance. And what I've learned through this program of recovery and working the steps every day, weighing and measuring my food every day and doing the disciplines every single day is I have found that inner resource and that um, conception of God, which is right there if I pause and listen for it. 
And I'm so grateful that I'm not Jim anymore, but I also am realistic enough to know that at any moment I could be if I don't pause. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Phoebe B. Thank you to everyone who shared, and thank you to Team Thursday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for this morning's meeting, Thursday, October the 20th, 7 a.m., 19539. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Chris M., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you. Thank you for uh, everyone's service today. Chris M. from Ontario, Canada. Um, Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own home is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.